August 24th. Welcome to the Just Baseball Show. It is the mailbag. That's Arm Lane. I'm Peter Apple. We're back to answer all of your questions that you left on Twitter at Just BB Media and on Instagram at Just Baseball Show. But first, Arm Lane, Peter Apple, which is me, and Jack McMullen, Colby Olson, the whole gang here at Just Baseball, we have put in an offer to buy the Los Angeles Angels. We don't have a lot of money. But we feel that we can run their organization. Arms holding up a $2 bill. Yeah, I just found this. <laughs> Let's kind of break into a little bit of the fallout because Jeff Passan kind of laid it all out for us. People like that know a little bit more about the selling of a team. But the big headline, Artie Moreno said they're going through the process of possibly selling the Angels. I could go through the fallout. I have the tweet right here that I could throw it over to your reaction unless you kind of want to go through the fallout. Choice is yours, my friend. Well, I, I love that passing kind of detailed it because you don't really know what goes on, you know, behind closed doors. And, you know, sometimes owners are very hands off. Right. And, and with I can speak to Jeffrey Loria with the Marlins, very hands on. And they, you know, they did win the World Series, but they also had a lot of issues. And you look at the Angels and this is a franchise that perpetually underachieves. We vote, we vocalize how frustrating they are all the time. Jeff Passan has three fallouts here. One is it opens the door to a Shohei Otani trade or record setting extension. We knew that. Another is with enormous revenues, Angels still have never had a payroll over 183 million. That'll change. That's what Passan is. So that's also good. And then three, which I think is the most important thing, is MLB's most hands-on owner is gone. I don't know if you and I really knew that, right? I, I don't know how many people really knew that. I, I've been told by people in the game that he's he's controlling, but what owner isn't? To say MLB's most hands-on owner is gone, maybe that was a big reason why the Angels stunk over the last decade. This might have been the one thing that really needed to happen for the Angels to succeed. I mean, think about it for a second. You know, the Angels, what has been their downfall over the past decade and a half it seems like they shell out the most money for stars where you think to yourself wait why why did they sign Pujols to this enormous deal and of course now he's gunning for 700 <laughs> and that's part of the mailbag question the Josh Hamilton deal the oh. Anthony Rendon deal there's a lot of deals also sprinkled in there that we haven't even mentioned that have came back to bite them in the butt. Was that all Artie Moreno? When you look at Passon's tweet about him being the most hands-on owner, I bet he had a lot to do with those kind. And they also about the payroll thing that they've never had a payroll above $183 million, but they're one of the biggest revenue drivers of any major league baseball team. Imagine you get an owner in there like a Steve Cohen in a big market like LA to do something similar to the Angels that Steve Cohen then did to the New York Mets. The juxtaposition as well, right, of these massive deals, but also not having a payroll that's up above 183 is hilarious. So they're going all in on a couple players. Of course, you go all in on Trout, that's fine. But they're going all in on a couple players and they have not panned out. So I, I want to see them spend more money across the board and I think they'll be smarter and hopefully, you know, they'll be a little bit more balanced with their approach. I do like Perry Manassian and I think he's done a lot of really good things. I think that you, you look at what they've been able to build from what, what was one of the worst systems to you know drafting well. And I think is now a pretty decent system pitching wise. They've done some good things well since he's taken over. Like I'm excited to hopefully see him get an opportunity with a new owner and just a clean slate and see what happens. But this, this is kind of the last thing that we could hope for that would save Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, hopefully, if he stays, and the Angels, which is new ownership. I mean, that is the biggest change you can make, and it was the last change remaining, basically, since Trout has debuted. So hopefully this will be what finally works. 
And before we get into the mailbag, because we have so many good questions, and honestly, I think the best question is at the end, we're building an ultimate team of players with on teams that have a winning percentage below 500. We have so many great questions. Thank you for asking them on our Twitter and on our Instagram. But before we get into it, Arm, check out my shirt. Yeah, that's just baseball baseball long sleeve, baby. The long sleeve. Get your merch in our episode description. We have the new rope hats. We have new long sleeves. It's approaching fall. I got a comment. I I posted on Twitter. I said, why haven't you bought our new long sleeve yet? And someone said they're summer. You know, it's summer right now. Look at this, people on YouTube. Look at that. See what I just Whoa, did you're there? rolling up and the athletic. sleeves? They can do that? They can do that. And their athletic wear at the end of the day. Rollable sleeves. Rollable sleeves. Ever heard of it? So that's all in our episode description. Let's get into the first question because we have a ton of hammers, and this is going to be a long episode, but I cannot wait. First question. With all the hype about Pujols potentially hitting 700 home runs, do you think anyone in the major leagues or minor leagues has a realistic shot to overtake Barry Bonds asked by Dylan0917 on Twitter. Just for starters, Albert Pujols is shocking the baseball world. He hits a home run every single day, and now he's at 693 home runs. He's about seven home runs away. If you're a baseball fan and you're listening to the Just Baseball Show, there's a very high likelihood that you already knew that. But I just think that sentence in in itself, that Pujols is actually approaching 700 home runs, is amazing. But Barry Bonds is a little bit of a different animal. Barry Bonds has 762 career home runs. Arum, could anyone catch Albert Pools? And by that, I mean, actually, I mean, to catch Albert Pools is one thing. To catch Barry Bonds is another thing. So who is the first player that comes to your mind who could catch him? I'll say first, I don't think anybody ever catches Barry Bonds. Um, You know, and Barry Bonds would have never done what he did had he not, you know, and again, I, I hate disqualifying achievements because of PEDs, but Bonds specifically on the home run title, like he's, it's basically why he did it, right? It was so that he could beat Hank Aaron's record. And that's why he was so good at, at the later years at age 40, hitting nukes like nobody's business. Uh, but when you look at the two guys, we talked about this before we recorded, right? Juan Soto's got to be one of the options and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has got to be the other. And I look at Soto. I mean, the guy's so consistent, but at the same time, his career high in home runs is 34. And he would have to average about 35 home runs for 17 seasons, roughly, maybe more than that, to reach what is 762 home runs. So it's even get close to that. He's 121 in his career already. And yes, he's only 23, but I, I just don't know if he's going to hit enough homers because he's not, that's not really his game. He's a, he's a complete hitter. He walks a lot. I don't know if anybody does it, to be honest. I don't think anybody does it either, but I think we should talk a little bit about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Because Vladdy, we're looking at these two young guys. I think it's easy to say that maybe Aaron Judge could do it. But Aaron Judge, at the end of the day, is 30 years old. Or he's going to be 30 years old by the end of this season. There's a lot of guys, you know, you look at Pete Alonso, also on the older end of the spectrum. We even looked at him, and he'd have to hit 40 home runs over the next 10 years to go over 500 home runs to get to 762 is a completely different animal. But when we look at a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at age 23 years old, he's at 98 home runs, but he's not a Juan Soto-esque player where 35 is asking a lot. He hit 48 home runs in 2021. If this is a guy who, let's just say he ends the season, because right now he's at 26 home runs, and I want to put him at an even number. So let's say he hits 38 home runs this year and ends this year at 110. He would need to hit 600 home runs yeah. to even get close. That would put him at 710. So if and that's plays, that's 40 home runs a year for 15 years, he could do that. That's possible. That's possible. That's why these two are really the only players right now that we see. But the question was also in the minor leagues. Could any like is there a crazy power prospect? Obviously, it's so hard to project these guys because they haven't swung in the major yeah. yet. But if there's like, just like, if I had to pick one. Who's who's the 80-grade power guy yeah. in the minor leagues? Honestly, give me Ellie De La Cruz in Great American Ballpark. Wow. Right? Like, that guy could hit like 50 yeah. in Great American Ballpark. He's, he's already hit home runs over 500 feet this year. The problem is, when you're projecting prospects, like, these guys have to hit enough too, right? You look at Vlad Guerrero, 
was an 80 grade hit tool guy. Uh, You look at Juan Soto, he should have been an 80 grade hit tool guy. So that's the big challenge is it's not just the power. It's like, how often are you hitting? And it has to be the combination of the two. Ellie De La Cruz is a switch hitter, has a lot of swing and miss, but he can, he can improve in that department. But the more we talk about this, as you kind of just laid it out, I think Vladdy might be the best pick because he's not going to walk nearly as much. It's about how often you're hitting the ball and he's going to hit more home runs. If he averages 40 home runs over the next 15 years, he would have to do He would need to do it for 16 years or he'd be right there. That's possible. That's possible. Uh, But even in a down year, the fact that he's going to finish with 35, 38, whatever he's going to finish with, like if he stays right around that, ballpark it's 44 next year back to 39 like hovers around an average of 40 that's probably the best candidate moving forward still just 23 years old it's just absurd and vladdy is also a first baseman you don't have to worry about him roaming around in the outfield you don't have to worry about him playing shortstop or anything like that maybe like a fernando tachis jr a guy who's got ringworm stuff to deal with on top of being a shortstop and a guy who's dealt with injuries before vladdy just gets to sit his huge hindquarters at first base and just rake for the rest of his career yeah. like he hasn't even really dealt with injuries at all like last season was his first full season i mean even in the 60 game season he had nine home runs, but he played all 60, 60 games in 2020. I mean, he was, what, a 21-year-old? And then yeah. now in, he played 161 games last year, and he's played 119 games this year. He could be a guy that's consistently giving you 160 to 162 games because all he does is rake. And if that's and- 40 home runs a year for 16 years, he's got a shot. But I do don't think that we should discount Soto because no. we never know that Soto is now out of Washington. He's not going to get walked every single AB anymore. If he gets put into a good lineup, you know, maybe he does become a New York Yankee or maybe he does go to another team like that where it's easier to hit in that ballpark. Like, honestly, if he stays in Petco his whole career, that's a pitcher's park of all pitcher's parks. That's something also to monitor there, too. So there's a lot of things working in Vladdy's favor in the AL East. A lot of nice ballparks to hit in. We're looking at that, Fenway. We're looking at Yankee Stadium, even in Toronto. The Trop, not as much. Baltimore, not as much anymore because they moved the left field wall back. Yeah. But still, overall, it's a pretty good division to hit in. Is there anybody else off the top of your head before we move into the second question? Dude, I, I would have said Tatis. That would have been the only other guy. And, of course, now you have the the, the steroid uh, implications in that as well. But given how young he is and, and how quickly he can just pile up home runs, that's the only other guy that I really think has a legitimate chance in the big leagues right now. I can't think of anybody else. I mean, we were even talking, is like Stanton almost there? Probably not. He's not going to get there. He'll hit 500, which will be awesome, and probably get him in the Hall of Fame, which is crazy to say. Uh, but, yeah, he just – especially because of how much time he misses you know, almost every single year. Exactly. Let's go back in time with the question number two. If you could attend any baseball game in history, which one would you pick? Asked by LoganSkith.10 on Instagram. The first game that came to my head, and it wasn't a game in particular that was super, super exciting, but when I saw this question, this was the first thought. I'm going to throw it over you, and I also have a, another answer. That would probably be my pick, but I want to see this moment, and I want to figure out if it happened. Game three, 1932 World Series. It's New York Yankees taking on the Chicago Cubs, and Babe Ruth does this. Allegedly. Allegedly. I want to know if, it actually, if he actually, Babe Ruth, called his shot. That's the game that I've always wanted to figure out. Did he do it? Because if he did it, that's the greatest feat in baseball history. What's your game that you'd like to go see? You'd have to get like your suit and top hat though, to go to that ball game. So uh, that's the one thing I don't want to dress up. That's, that's a big issue for me in this whole thing. I have two. I have one, one, the internal fan in me, the, the Marlins fan in me. I would love to be at the Steve Bartman game. Uh, Not only because of just the historical context of that, but that was, one of the craziest comebacks ever. I mean, the Marlins put up eight runs in in one inning and end up winning the game eight, three and one game seven. And the rest is history. I would love to see that. Of course, our advisor, Jeff Conine was a big part of that ball game as well. And then I've got to go with, with Kirk Gibson to to see that guy just limping out there, 
you know, he was supposed to not even be available, could barely trot around the bases. Like, I just couldn't imagine the gravity of that situation. You're going to your bench, you're bringing in a guy that can barely walk and he goes yard. Uh, I love the call of, I can't believe what I just saw, but I would love to have seen it in person because I probably wouldn't have been able to believe it either. One of the greatest moments in baseball history and something that I think we all dream about as kids is you walk up there in the bottom of the ninth with a chance to win the World Series. And that's exactly what Joe Carter did back in 1993 against the Phillies off Mitch Williams. He had a walk-off home run to win the World Series. Touch them all, Joe. Yeah, yeah. That I would love to be a fly on the wall in 1993 in Toronto to watch that World Series. I mean, you're at home you hit a walk-off home run to win the World Series. Is there any other games that come to mind? I would like to have seen like maybe Don Larson, you know, twirl that gem, the perfect game in a world. Like what the hell? That must have been insane. Um, And Joe Carter would have been my other answer. But yeah, I mean, there's just so many amazing moments in history that uh, you can't go wrong. I bet you there's people are listening right now with a, a litany of answers that are all great. And we could just do the whole podcast on all the games that we'd like to go back to. But we have question three, which is another really good one, more current. If you could pick one to base your team around, who would it be between Vaughn Grissom, Spencer Strider, or Michael Harris on the Atlanta Braves? Asked by L1D on Twitter. This is such a good one because you could go in every different direction. I like Vaughn Grissom. I think he's a good prospect, but I think the answer is between two guys. And I think it's Michael Harris and I think it's Spencer Strider. And it's almost because we even got into a little bit of debate. I'm like, let's save it. Yeah. The podcast. My initial thought was Michael Harris. Your initial thought was Spencer Strider. You make the case for Strider. I'll make the case for Harris. And then we'll kind of collab and see which one that we came back to. Yeah. So I I, I lean Strider just because. I think it's so hard to find a pitcher that is capable of of doing what he is doing. And, you know, I think pitching is is such a premium and, and you're going to make the Michael Harris case. So I'm not going to, you know, kind of get too deep into Harris because I, I love him and, and everything he brings to the table and, and really is such a just well-rounded ball player. But Spencer Strider could be an ace, right? This is somebody that was used as a swing man. And then all of a sudden now really has figured it out, has an elite fastball, has a nasty slider. He's striking out. 13 and a half batters per nine. Like that's a guy that I'm going to build around because I know he can anchor the front of my rotation. He's durable. And he, he's just a frontline kind of dude that can win you ball games. I'm always going to side on the pitching and Spencer Strider to me is one of the most exciting up and coming young arms in baseball. I always side with the pitching too. And that's why I kind of agree with you. But I think the reason I chose Michael Harris is he's, is he's a little bit safer I guess, than a guy like Spencer Strider. Spencer Strider didn't exactly come out of nowhere, but Michael Harris has always kind of been that up-and-coming outfield prospect. And when I talk about safe, what I know for a fact, no matter if Michael Harris never hits again, he's going to steal your bags, and he's going to play maybe the best defensive center field. In, and that's key there. Premium position center field anchoring that outfield defense. And then what we're seeing is a guy who has an 833 OPS, who's also has 13 home runs with a max exit below in the 88th percentile and a hard hit rate in the 71st percentile. And that's at 21 years old. Yes. So if he can then develop more at the bat, could he become an 875 OPS guy who oh, ends yeah. up being a 2525 guy? who plays elite center field. That's where I think to myself, we're not only looking at a potential all-star, we're looking at a perennial all-star in the outfield, a guy who plays every day, who's also younger than, than Spencer Strider. Yeah, so I lean to Michael Harris, but to your point, starting pitching wins championships. And is it, I guess the question is, is it harder to find a Spencer Strider, or is it harder to find a Michael Harris? And that's, you know, you're in the prospect weeds. Like, I'm going to throw that over to you. Yeah. When you're looking at prospects, is it harder to find Michael Harris, or is it harder to find Michael? Wait, is it harder Spencer to find Strider. Spencer Strider, or is it harder to find Michael Harris? Yeah, no, honestly, that was exactly the point I was going to bring up, is you know, I think it's really difficult to find a center fielder like Michael Harris. So uh, that that I'll, I'll put out first and foremost, like to get an offensive prospect that can also defend the way Michael Harris does. That's extremely hard to find, but I think you can find a very solid center fielder 
much more easily. Uh, and I just don't know if there's much in between in pitching. Like it, you, you can maybe find a, a regular arm, but I just think there's so much more impact. I think it's a lot harder to find a frontline starter. I mean, I'm always looking at these pitching prospects and a lot of the guys in our top 100, you're hoping are number three guy, like the amount of guys on the top 100, we're going to talk about a, a couple prospects in a few minutes. The amount of guys that really, I could say with confidence, have a good shot to be an ace few and far between. It, it's really tough. Usually it's guys that either beat their expectations or a few that really reach their ceiling. So I just think it's so much harder to to find a frontline starter. And that's why I lean uh, Spencer Strider. But what I will say is everything you said about Harris is correct. That's why I love him. And at 21 years old, you could build your franchise around that guy and feel pretty good. The Braves are in a pretty damn good spot. I'd say so. Yeah. Oh my. Because to your point, I mean, Strider's probably the rookie of the year. Like, yeah. Strider's probably had the better overall year than a guy like Michael Harris. We were looking at F4. We just did our all-rookie team. Strider's 13th in F4 among pitchers or something like crazy like that. I mean, that's the kind of – And Michael Harris has, is a three-win player already in Very 77 games. I don't think there's a wrong answer here. There it's is basically not. what we figured out is that – Whatever you choose between those two, you could make a sound argument for both, and neither of us would say that you're wrong. It's just, what do you prefer? Would you prefer to build around the pitcher, or would you prefer to build around the defensive-minded, younger center fielder? But Strider's been better, so you could go either way. All right, let's move on to question number four. These are all such good ones, and this one is a hammer, and you and I are going to have a back and forth certainly about this one. Of all the rookies this year, who would you start your franchise around? Asked by Klein Schroeder on Twitter. I apologize apologize if I didn't get that name correctly. It's spelled K-L-E-I-N-E Schroeder on Twitter. (sighs) <sighs> you got some options here. Yeah. You got Strider. Yeah. You got Michael Harris. You got J-Rod. You got Adley Rutschman. You got Bobby Wood Jr. And there's a bunch that I haven't named. Who are you building around, Arm Layton? I'm sticking with the impossible position to find, and I'm sticking with the catcher here this time. And it's Adley Rutschman. And, man, I... I, it, to me, it's between Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman. And I look at a switch hitting catcher with elite defensive ability, who hits for power, who gets on base, who doesn't strike out, who also pitchers love to work with, commands a staff. Like Adley Rutschman just has the face of the franchise face, too. Like everything about him is just franchise cornerstone. Um, I'll build around the switch hitting gold glove catcher and figure the rest out later. <laughs> Do you think it's fair? to contextualize this a little bit and say, who would you rather build around at a young age, Ronald Acuna Jr. or Buster Posey? Do you think that's fair? Or do you think Adley could be better than a guy like Posey? And do you think giving Ronald Acuna Jr. the Julio Rodriguez comp is fair? I, I think you're, 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 there's a scenario where both could be better. I you know These, these are guys that were you know, some of the most exciting prospects in baseball that their ceiling is MVPs. Right. And, um, but I think if I'm building around those two comps, like Buster Posey, you look at, look at the giants this year. Uh, I I think there's a lot of other factors, but I think Buster Posey's number one Uh, and and look at what he did for them when he won the MVP, just helping them continuously win world series after world series and be a dynasty. Um, I, I think when you have the catching position taken care of, and you have that guy that just commands the staff and produces offense the way he does yeah. and defends. I, I just, uh, he's already good at, he's already a 3.6 F4 guy in 73 games. Uh, Adley Rutschman is. Um, I, I think that's just a, a kind of game changer that you just don't find very often. I, I can't even think of the last time, really, might have been Buster Posey, the last time we really had a catcher come up with this kind of impact like Adley or Joe Maurer. Yeah. Jack and I were kind of talking about him too. There's no wrong answer here. I agree. It should be between Julio Rodriguez and it should be between Adley Rutschman. I'll make the case for Julio Rodriguez, but honestly, I'm pretty in between. Because to your point, everything you said is right. You probably have to build around that catcher. But I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate because Adley is 24 years old. Mm -hmm. And J-Rod's a 
freakazoid. J-Rod is fifth and outs above average in center field. He's not a right fielder like maybe an Aaron Judge. He's in the 91st percentile and outs above average in center field. Through 409 at-bats, he's got 19 home runs and 23 stolen bases. Ron Acuna Jr. in 2019 had 41-37. I could see that being a year-in, year-out thing from the 6'3", 230 outfielder. Like, if he's a MVP candidate, I don't know if Adley will ever win an MVP, but I could see two or three with J-Rod. And, but it's like, I think that Julio Rodriguez will put up crazier numbers than Adley ever will. But when you're talking about position and just impact, impact on the rotation on top of it, that's why it's so close because we're going to have years where we look at J Ron and be like, that's the MVP because oh, yeah. 300 with 40 home runs, stole 35 bags, and played great defense and is a possible gold glove winner and oh, if you ask me if i if i had to pick one to potentially be a hall of famer i i probably would pick julio i, I think yeah. i would but at the same with that same notion i know it sounds almost counterintuitive i'm just taking a lot i'm putting a lot of faith in the elite defensive switch hitting catcher uh that just does it all uh to be able to kind of just help my team get to the next level and, and help my team just in almost every way possible so Julio, I think, has the upside where you, you might be like, oof, I just passed on one of the best players of the modern era. Uh, but I'll play it safe with the switch hitting catcher that does everything. I think you're right on there. The The reason I'm going to pick Julio, too, is length of peak or just length of career, most likely. Like you look at a Joe Maurer or you look at Buster Posey, because those are kind of the guys that we are comparing to a guy like Adley Rutschman, who's just so far ahead of what seems like every catcher, at least at this point. Like he's 24 years old and this is his rookie season. Do we see him playing till 34? Hopefully. That's 10 years. J-Rod at 31 years old in 10 years is still going to be absolutely electric. And then we have four, maybe five more of great years from Julio Rodriguez. And then we have even more after that. That's why I will take the 21-year-old outfielder. If he wasn't running like this and wasn't defending like this and was just, oh my gosh, he's this amazing hitter, I would go Adley. But what he's added now to his game that he is now a true five-tool player, Yeah, I do think he's Ronald Acuna Jr., but in center field is one of the best. Center- like, that's that's Mike Trout levels. I yeah. mean, that's, that's best player in baseball future kind of value. But to your point, like, shit, like the Adley catcher switch hitting, I know what I'm going to get. The swing is so pure. What he can do for the starting rotation, it's so it's such a good question. It's such a I good think question. The, the last thing I'll say on it is I mean, I still think JT Romito is the best catcher in baseball, but like there's a legitimate chance that Adley Rutschman is the best catcher in baseball by you know next season, <laughs> which is which is insane. insane. Um and, and that shows you how tough the position is. I think you're totally spot on there. Is there anyone else that you considered for this? Like, is is Michael Harris in this conversation? Is Strider in this conversation? Is Bobby Wood Jr. in this conversation? I don't. I think J. Ron and Adley are in their own. I think they're in their own boat. I agree. I really do. I think they're kind of in this own their own level, their own, and you'll see it in the rookie of the year voting. I promise. Like, I think they're just in their own echelon, and both this year and beyond. I think Strider is approaching that conversation, though. And we can't forget about Bobby Witt because the freakish talent is still there. And he's also 22 years old. Like, he could then figure out the defense stuff. And then we're like, wait, we just passed on Trey Turner-esque. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Also, the shortstop. Like, we just passed on that, too. So, I think all of those guys could be in the conversation. But agreed. It's between Julio and and Adley. And to the, the conversation about Strider versus Harris. It's just, what do you prefer? And so there's no wrong answers there. Number five, plenty of questions we had about two prospects in particular. So I combined them into one. I don't have all of your Twitters and IGs, but you can check the comments under there. These two guys, everyone wants to know about them. Jordan Walker, Andrew Painter. Jordan Walker, we're going to talk about him later, can kind of fill in wherever you want, maybe a corner infield, maybe a corner outfield for the Cardinals. And then we have Andrew Painter, who's a very exciting young pitcher for the Phillies. The ceiling and floor for Andrew Painter 
And then is Jordan Walker a starter next year for the Cardinals? Going to throw that over to you, my friend. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad we got these questions because these are two guys where if you want to hear more about it, totally just broke them down for like 20 minutes on the last episode of the call up because Andrew Painter, I'll start with him. People are going to be very surprised at how high we have him ranked in the uh, in the top 100 update. This guy is is entering kind of the top three or four pitching prospects in baseball conversation. Wow. Just got bumped up to double. He throws upper 90s with ease, tops out at 101. He's 19 years old. He's six foot seven. He has a wipeout slider and he throws strikes. That's the craziest part is like he's legitimately way ahead. Like Yuri Perez how everybody marveled at how tall, young, and polished he was. Painter's not that far behind. Um, And I'm really excited about this guy. I think he's one of the five best pitching prospects in baseball, maybe three or four. Um, And the Phillies are building something great there because Mick Abel is is no slouch either. But Andrew Painter, extremely special, could even break into the big leagues by the end of next year with how much he's been fast-tracked and just how dominant he's been and how good the command has been. Is he a high-floor guy? Or is I would have said no before this year. I would have said absolutely not before this year. And and now, yeah, <laughs> he doesn't walk anybody. He has two pitches that like at the very least he could dominate with those two pitches. Uh, and I think either be an average starter or just a lights out bullpen arm. But now that he's really started to mix in a third curveball and, you know, even just commanding East West. Yeah, I, I have a lot of confidence in this guy figuring it out. And he has ace upside, you say? Yeah. Oh, no is, doubt. Is he... Does he remind you of any pitcher currently in the bigs? Honestly, no. Interesting. <laughs> like it, it, six foot seven power pitcher who commands the strike zone. Um, Sandy. Sandy, but like high, it's a high spin fastball and a wipeout slider. And it's a ton of strike. It's striking out 40% of batters this year. So I, I don't know like if I can really, but, but more strikes. is big. Yeah. And it's more strikes. It's tough. I don't really know if there is a, a comp for him, which is kind of just a testament to how disgusting he can be. Wow. Let's talk Jordan Walker for a second. First, we're going to talk about Jordan Walker in, in terms of can he be a starter next year for the Cardinals? Let's talk about his kind of positional stuff that's been happening, because I think a lot of people just see him as like a third base prospect. Yeah. But I don't know if the Cardinals see him as a third base prospect now that Nolan Arenado is just I mean, what are you going to move him off third base? Yeah. <laughs> so is he going to be a starter next year for the Cardinals? And then let's kind of get into who he is as a prospect. Cause I don't know if we've truly broken him down on the show. And he, I mean, arm, the more, you know, you know me, I love all the prospect stuff, but I am just infatuated with the tippity top. So yeah. I, I take deep dives into the best prospects and I try and choose who my favorites were that like I chose J rod at the beginning and like, like Jordan Walker is becoming one of my favorites. I mean, you're coming out with the top 100 update, which I can't fucking wait for. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, Jordan Walker, you could put him one. I mean, I just, I'm obsessed with him. He gives off judge vibes, like Aaron judge of the Yankees totally. type vibes. The swing is short, but so powerful. Who is Jordan Walker? What should Cardinals fans expect from this monster? Well, you know, Jordan Walker is basically in that same department of like, how does he make this all work? Six foot five, 230 pounds, but moves well. Like he's stealing bags even uh, like that. You talk about judge. It's, it's kind of similar to that. His swing. You talk about how for a guy of his size, there was huge swing and misconcerns when he was drafted out of high school. And really that hasn't been a problem whatsoever. He doesn't strike out that much. Um, he's a little aggressive, but it doesn't matter because he hits everything. The power is off the charts and we're starting to really see him tap into it now and, and start to, to lift more and, and generate more homers. And, he just keeps getting better, Peter. That's the craziest thing. And over his last 20 games in double A, 347, 414, 707 slash line with an 18% strikeout rate. And he? to answer your question, like, why are we seeing him in the outfield now? It's because of the fact that he could debut next year. It's because of the fact that he is beating the timelines. The Cardinals are realizing, wait a second, he's going to get here too soon. Arenado's not going anywhere. Goldie's not going anywhere. Like he could have been the heir to Goldie. He's getting there too quick now too. They're giving him reps in the corner outfield. It's a little ro- rocky right now. He's never done it before. He's an athlete with an elite arm. I think he'll be fine. Like that's how good he's been. They're already moving him to the outfield and saying, we got to find a way to, to put him in the outfield and get him in the big leagues next year. I'm expecting him to debut next year. But to your point, 
I saw him in center. Yeah. Like in center field, that's the type of athlete he he is. So I have no real concerns about him moving to left field or right field because you expect Dylan Carlson to play some center. You expect Tyler O'Neill to play in right field. So then you or even left field. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can put Jordan Walker in right. You can put Tyler O'Neill in left. You can do whatever you want because you're the St. Louis Cardinals and you have this embarrassment of riches. And that's how good Jordan Walker could be because the bat's going to play wherever you put him. If you want to put him in center, like they've tried doing it. To your point, you were sending videos in the group chat. Seems a little rocky. Yeah. But how old is he? He's 20. He turned 23 months ago. That's what I'm talking about, dude. When we talk about Francisco Alvarez, when we talk about these guys, I'm like, is Jordan Walker not the same? Like, I buy into bats, and it's hard to find a better bat in the minor leagues than Jordan Walker. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I'll tell you, I mean, he's one of the considerations as we're looking at some of the top three prospects in baseball when we when we do this update. And the fact that he's 17 for 22 on bags this year in double A is also comical. Um, his exit velos are outrageous. Like the power numbers are going to continue to tick up. We've seen it now, eight homers over his last 20 games. Um, he he threw 95 on the mound in high school, which I don't think a lot of people know. So like he will have a rocket for an arm and right, and he can move well enough. He'll get better with the reads. He's a hard worker, earns really high marks for the makeup. Uh, the Cardinals are going to be ready to, to put him out there. We saw what they did with Gorman. They're going to do the same thing with him by next year. If Nick Cassianos is still getting reps in right field, Thorne <laughs> Walker can play right field. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, he'll be fine. And that breaks into our next question. This one is such another good one. Who will have the best outfield trio in three years? Asked by C. Woodward 250 on Twitter. Let's talk about those St. Louis Cardinals. Because when we look at an outfield trio in three years, it's easy to say the Yankees. But how good will Judge be at 33 if he's even still on the Yankees? You look at a guy like Stanton. Maybe you could say those prospects in Jason Dominguez, Everson Prayer. I'm not going to put the Yankees in this type of conversation. You could say the Dodgers, you know, they have Andy Pajes, and of course you're still going to have Mookie Betts, but will Cody Bellinger be there? I don't even know if we can say the Dodgers. But we brought up when we were talking pre-record about the two teams that we feel should be number one and number two, and we want to kind of have a debate about it. You start with one and then I'll add on to the other. Yeah, so I mean – Obviously, the the Atlanta Braves are are in a pretty good spot right now with two of their three spots satisfied. You have Michael Harris, who is one of the best defensive center fielders, as we just talked about, and also really hitting well. You have Ronald Acuna, who is still working back. I think he's going to be just fine and, and is a superstar when he is fully right and is starting to kind of get going again. And then we don't know what the third spot's going to be. And that's the one thing with the Braves. And, and we don't want to like speculate, oh, they could sign somebody, whatever. Those two guys alone, I think, c- could easily be one of the best outfield duos in baseball. But I were two speculation moves here. This one's a little bit more speculatory than the next one. But I look at Von Grissom. And I think he can move to left. He's not really athletic enough for shortstop. I don't think he's going to be like the heir apparent to Dansby. Uh, Obviously, Ozzie Albies is locked up at second base. Grissom's a good enough athlete. I expect him to potentially move to the outfield. And if you have an outfield of Von Grissom, Michael Harris, and Ronald Acuna Jr., that could easily be the best outfield in three years in all of baseball. But I do think that the best outfield in three years will be those St. Louis Cardinals. When you have Dylan Carlson in center and then on the corners, you have Tyler O'Neill, and then the reckoning of Jordan Walker. Yeah. If they have those three, they're all young. They all hit the crap out of the ball and they all can play good defense. At least Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson can. We'll see how Jordan Walker does, but I have no reason to believe that he couldn't play at least an average corner and the bat is surely going to make up for it. Those are the two outfields. When we kind of unpack them, where do you lean? My only concern is how, how good is Tyler O'Neill going to be? What, what, what is Tyler O'Neill? Um, like, cause he was so, so good last year and has battled injuries this year and just hasn't totally been right. So I don't want to, you know, draw any major conclusions, but he hasn't been great this year. And then Dylan Carlson, I love him. I, I think he's really good. Is he going to make that leap or is he going to always kind of be that slightly above average outfielder? I think Walker is going to mash and be great there. And then they even have Alec Burleson as an insurance policy, which is great. And maybe even a Juan Yepes. Like they have so many backup plans that I think there's a lot of other guys that could fill in if somebody else struggles. If Tyler O'Neill is playing 
even cl- somewhat close to 2021 Tyler O'Neill, I think it's a no brainer, but I am concerned about what, whether O'Neill can one stay healthy and two produce anything close to last year. And that's what kind of pushes me towards the safety of the Braves. Cause I know Michael Harris. We talked about it. We both know Michael Harris is going to be good for a long time and could be a superstar in three years. Ronald Acuna already is a superstar and we're seeing Von Grissom blossom before our eyes, assuming he is the, the third outfielder there. I think it's safer with upside, but at the same point, the Cardinals could easily blow that out of the water if all goes right. You love Alec Burleson a lot. Okay, I let's do. say Tyler O'Neill doesn't become that next guy, but then they have Alec Burleson instead. Does that make you more think that this outfield is now better? That's why I lean towards the Cardinals, to your point about them having Juan Yepes if they feel like it, like literally if they feel like it. I do believe in Tyler O'Neill. I just believe he's too talented to not at least be an above average outfielder. And I'm also a believer in Dylan Carlson, another Mm -hmm. safe guy. I've seen this guy run down so many balls in center field now that I think there's only few outfielders who can get there. The switch hitting aspect of Dylan Carlson. And then I am just so fully invested now in Jordan Walker that I do lean the Cardinals. And it's not like Ronald Acuna Jr. has been perfect this year. No, that's the only thing. That's another thing too. Will Ronald Acuna Jr. be fine? Yeah, probably. I mean, what are we talking about here? It's probably going to be okay. But who are some honorable mentions? Because those are the two that we really thought of. I thought of the Diamondbacks, and they're more prospect-based. But you have Corbin Carroll, who, I mean, we're going to do the top 100 update. I mean, when I say we, I mean you. He might be number one. Like that's how talk good. about another guy that's right there with Walker. Exactly. Right there with Walker. Then you have a guy like Dalton Varsho, who's played some center, who's played some right field, who's been very good for the Diamondbacks this year. And then you have Alec um, Thomas. Then you have Alec Thomas, who's playing like center field for them too. He's just, and a he's really like, good center field too. And he's going to keep getting better offensively. High floor kind of player too. So that's one of the honorable mentions that I thought of. But you had a really good one there in Baltimore. Yeah, I, I like what, what Baltimore's building, man. Cedric Mullins is is as safe as it gets. I mean, you know that guy can just play ball, and uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Mullins. I think he's going to continue to to heat back up and get closer to what he did last year. Uh, you have Austin Hayes, who has been wonderful, one healthy, and and also a really talented outfielder. But then you have guys like Santander. I don't know if he's going to still be there and what the plan is with him. But how about Colton Cowser? I mean, that's somebody that's one of my favorite prospects as well. Could be a very, very good bat for them. Um, they have other guys as well that could make their way up and, and make an impact. And I, I think the Orioles, what they're building in terms of depth and what they're building prospect-wise and also the young talent they already have. I like Kyle Stowers as a potential insurance policy as well in the outfield. They've got a lot of really talented dudes there that could be really good for a long time. So many, we could keep going through other teams too who have the possibility. I mean, we look at Seattle with J Rod, and like we'll see what happens with Kelnick. And you know, Mitch Hanniger will probably be in three years, not that guy anymore. We'll see if Kyle Lewis ever kind of regains what he had. Um, we go through some other teams. I mean, who are just off the top of your head who maybe have some potential to be in this type of conversation? It's tough because there's there's so many teams that I think really need to like kind of have a clear cut direction uh, with, with what they're going to do. A lot of teams have a lot to figure out. Um, I, I think the twins could sneakily have a really good outfield. If, if everything goes right, you know, Byron Buxton, obviously up the middle is, is as good as it gets. I keep waiting for the day that Alex Kirilov will stay healthy because I really do think he is great. Um, we'll see what they decide to do with some of their other guys that can move around. I mean, if, if they decide to move Jose Miranda to a corner, which I don't think they will, he's probably stuck at first, his bat alone would make their, their outfield a lot more interesting, but he's been more first base, third base. So there's just a lot lot of guys that you can move positionally that could change things. Uh, But I think that the teams that we mentioned are pretty much the favorites to, to be just a major, major impact. This is a good one. And then we have our last question, which is sick. If the staff at Just Baseball were to form a managerial staff, who would be the manager? Who would be the hitting coach? Who would be the pitching coach, et cetera? So what I'm thinking here is we need a manager. We need a pitching coach. We need a hitting coach. We need a bench coach. What else do we need? Do we need a, like, should we go, should we have a GM here? And then an owner, an owner, (laughs) 
<laughs> Should we do the whole front office? Let's so, do that. Let's let's because I want to make some people on our staff feel bad for not being involved. Like I want to. I have some specific people in mind that I'm kind of mad at right now that I don't want involved. And let's let's go back. You just want to hurt some feelings right I now. I want to hurt some feelings of our staff for sure. Okay. Okay, that's great. I would like to recommend myself as the hitting coach. I think I mashed and I think I could, I could do a lot. I could do a lot for the, at the plate. I'm, I'm a good pitcher. I was thinking Jack for our pitcher, but I wanted to nominate you as our owner or GM to whatever one you wanted to pick. That was, that was how I placed you, Jack and I, and I think we either put you as owner or GM and then we could put possibly put Jack as the manager, Colby as the pitching coach. I I like that. I, I'm kind like I'm that. throwing some things at the wall. How did you imagine it when you saw the question? So I, I thought either either just hitting coach because I'm a swing freak, but I, I agree. Mm. I kind of like I like you in the I do like you though in the hitting in the hitting role. Sim, simple. I, I feel like you simplify it. Don't overthink it. See ball, hit ball. Let's 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 get our guys right. I, I would I would hire you to take over the Marlins right now, I swear to God. But <laughs> The the GM thing only because I think I could I really do believe that I could steal prospects away from some dumb teams. Like, I, I really I, do I, think I could I could steal prospects away from the Marlins. I think I could, could like we were talking about it before when you were over at my apartment the other day and how uh, when the when Jordan Alvarez was traded from the Dodgers you know to the Astros, Farhan Zaidi who was with the Dodgers at the time thought that the Astros were asking for like Yadier Alvarez and was like, no way, not doing that trade. And he's like, no, we want Jordan. He's like, oh, sure, whatever. Like the Rays cook that way. The Astros have done a good job. The Dodgers ironically have done a good job of that. I would just be spending all day just trying to find little prospects that we could just snatch up and, you're and, and turn into studs. You're injured. Like how yeah. are we going to get you in the cage when you can't walk? <laughs> oh, no, I can't, I can't even go anywhere. So and then bench coach has got to be our so, guy, T. Wright. So you're the GM. Are we are we making Jack the manager? Yes, he's basically Tony Larusa. I agree, and he would run us into the ground. But I still believe yes. in him. Colby yeah, he, is the pitching coach because Colby, I think, actually kind of knows what he's talking about when it comes to no, pitching. Oh, he does. He does. he does. He would help with the pitch shape. I'm get not our guys kinda, right. He really does. Um, I almost want to make T the owner. T the owner. So T writes our collectibles guy for those who don't know. And he's by far our oldest guy on the staff. I don't know how old he is. What are you? 30, 30 something. He's got kids and everything. You know, who's the bench coach? Ron Cox. Oh yeah. I got Ron Cox. Ron Cox, our CBA sports business contributor. Uh, we're due for a Ron Cox banger. One of these days, we need some more baseball business stuff. So I know Ron, if you're listening, we're due for another one. Ron Cox could easily help keep things in check. Who, by the way, Ron Cox, not a Don Mattingly fan. Um, so, yeah, I mean, makes sense. Understandable. Ron Cox, smart guy. Understandable. <laughs> <laughs> Mascot. I'm going with our guy Javier Reyes. Um, <laughs> Javier, I hope you heard that. Um, who else could be? Jack is lock manager though. That that's actually yeah. he's yeah, so he's going to be so old school. Yeah. He's going to he's going to ignore anything that is recommended from from the front office. Um he's going to complain <laughs> about it like Joe Madden just did. Uh he's going to go off a of feel and when it all blows up, he's going to give a really shitty press conference about it. Like that's a guarantee with Jack. I think all we needed so we have Ron Cox as our bench coach or should we fill in maybe somebody else cuz I you know Ron Ron Cox, we love Ron, but you know, we have we have some other people on the staff that are, you know, day in, day out, just baseball people. Is there anyone we want to kind of slander? Slander. I don't know. I, I kind of like all our guys right now. I do like all of our guys. Right I, I already got my jabs in on Colby earlier today. Um, I feel very, very free right now. I just Jack, I can make fun of at any point. Any point. Um, yeah. We just interviewed Juwan Bay for the Indianapolis Indians. So uh, I know Jack was excited about that. They, he asked Juwan Bay what his favorite position was, who plays every position well. And he said DH, which is just hilarious. So uh, that's a guy to watch in the pirate system too. My favorite question, the one I'm most excited about. 
who is the best team made up of players from teams with a winning percentage below 500? Asked by Jared Cochran on Twitter. So just to recap, these are only players on teams with a winning percentage currently below 500. So the only teams that we can choose from are the Boston Red Sox, Kansas City Royals, Detroit Tigers, Texas Rangers, LA Angels, Oakland A's, Miami Marlins, Washington Nationals, Chicago Cubs, Cincinnati Reds, Pittsburgh Pirates, San Francisco Giants, who barely are under 500, Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Colorado Rockies. Wait, I think you made a mistake. You said uh, the Boston Red Sox. Are the Boston Red Sox under 500? Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. They are. They're 16-62. That's my fault. Yeah, yeah, no, no, we included. They are under 500. Oh, okay, yeah. No, my my fault. Yeah, no, that's all good. Just to confirm, the Red Sox are under 500? Yes. 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 All right. I just want to make you say it again. I just think it's funny. I think it's funny, kind of, too. Um, you want to go back and forth because we created this team and we'll just go, we'll just go rapid fire. I'll start with catcher. You go to first base and we'll just switch off. Yeah, let's do it. At catcher, we have Wilson Contreras of the Chicago Cubs. Dude rakes should be the catcher. You know, you could go with a couple of different options, but Wilson Contreras, I feel like kind of easily wins out here. Yeah. I mean, what he's done is really just insane. And you go to first base too, like Christian Walker, I don't even think this guy's getting enough love. He's been outrageous this season. And you look at all the the batted ball data as well. It points towards it being sustainable. And if anything, he could be even better. Uh, Walker's been one of the best first basemen in baseball outside of the obvious elite guys. And that's a shot to finish with more than 35 homers while striking out less than 20% of the time. At second base, we're going with Marcus Semien of the Texas Rangers. I mean, Semien got off to a really bad start, but he's slowly and quietly looking like that hitter that at least the Texas Rangers thought when they gave him a seven-year deal. He's still been around league average when you look at the full season, but if we look at post-All-Star break, we look at, you know, from June on, he's looked like that type of hitter, and he's still the best second baseman of any of these teams under five hundred. At shortstop, um, this was a tough one, but we went with Corey Seager, uh, which, I mean, Corey Seager has really tapped into the power this year, 26 home runs, but also not striking out much, playing decent defense. I'd like to see him get on base a bit more, but I like the upside of Corey Seager over you know Xander Bogarts, who is just right on the cusp as well. Uh, but ultimately, we go with the Texas Rangers shortstop. And at third base, this one was easy. Who's one of the best third basemen in all of baseball? Hits over 300. Is going to hit 30, 35 home runs this year. That's Rafael Devers of the Boston Red Sox. Again, one of the best third basemen in baseball. And he happens to be on a team that's under 500 in the Boston Red Sox. You know, (laughs) Which is crazy because Bogarts and Devers are so freaking good. Uh, And we like to make fun of the Red Sox. It's more just because of the amount of Boston guys we have on our staff. And also Boston people that I have just in my life. Yes. It's just, it's, it's overwhelming. Um, but I don't actually hate the Red Sox. I will continue to remind people that it's just fun for me. Outfield is very easy, but I hate that this is one of the options, but it, he always is. Mike Trout obviously will anchor the outfield. Thank goodness. He's back from injury. Seems like it's not as bad as, as initial reports, you know, may have suggested this guy, even at 80% is better than everybody. And taking Mike Trout is not, I don't need to make a case for that. Enough said. I'm going to move on to the next outfielder. And this one was tough because the next guy that you're about to talk to, I think clearly is the second option, but I think you could go back and forth. I picked Adolis Garcia of the Texas Rangers. What we do know is that he is a very good defender. And when he's on, he's a guy who's a 2020 threat. He's got a lot of power. He's got a lot of speed, does a lot of things well. His only issue is that he kind of strikes out a lot doesn't walk very much hates walks but everything hates. else he is very good at he's a good yeah. defender he's got power he's got speed like i said adolis garcia is developing into a very very solid player for the texas rangers and i thought he makes this third outfield spot but the second best outfielder go ahead yeah it was funny i i, I thought about it at first and i was like mm, but then you look at it 12th and f4 with the defense that he's playing among outfielders and yeah. the powers there the bags are there if he can hit a little bit better you got a really good player there uh, the last outfielder is kind of a no-brainer. It's Brian Reynolds. He he's just continues to rake, switch hitter that just does a lot of things really well. And uh, the Pirates, they're going to get better, but he, he's easily their best player and just kind of continues to carry them. I agree. Should be Brian Reynolds of the Pittsburgh Pirates for sure. And at DH, this one's easy. 
best player in baseball, dude right behind me for all those watching on YouTube, Shohei Otani. What else do I have to say? Pitches and hits, and we want him in the rotation, which we're going to get to in a second. He can pitch. He's the best player on our team. He's better than his teammate, Mike Trout, because he's a freaking GOAT, and he might win the MVP this year, even though Aaron Judge might hit 60 home runs because he's that good because he does both. He, and he's doing everything better than ever again. Like it's, yeah. it's, he's I mean, been he's pitching. Amazing. Like he looks like a Cy Young candidate now all of a sudden. Like it, yeah. it's, it's absolutely insane. And I didn't also want to put him in pitcher because I didn't want to take someone away in our rotation. Yeah, exactly. You just throw him in our rotation too. That's how great he is. And now we got an extra pitcher, but we also got Sandy Alcantara, who, you know, has had a couple rough starts as of late and still has like a ridiculously low ERA. I mean, this guy has been spectacular this year. He's a throwback pitcher, eats innings gets out. We'll rack up strikeouts when he needs them. We'll pitch to weak contact when he needs to. I mean, this guy is, is a budding star and one of the more exciting young pitchers in the game. And we needed a lefty and one of the best lefties in baseball is on the San Francisco Giants. His name is Carlos Rodon. We're talking about Spencer Strider on the all-rookie team, about 98 at your neck and then the slider. How about 97 maybe at your neck from Carlos Rodon? And I think one of the best sliders in all of baseball for my money, Carlos Rodon and the Giants this year, they bought low on him and it's just one of it's been one of the best free agent signings. We loved him going into the year. It was all about can he stay healthy? He stayed healthy all year and been one of the best pitchers in baseball. Carlos Rodon is definitely the second pitcher on this list. And another one from from the, the same team, which is which is wild because you just we would have expected them to be better given that they've got two guys on this list. Logan Webb, who you know was incredible last season and has followed it up with a pretty solid year this year, but I feel like it's just the disappointment of the Giants is kind of taken away from the fact that Webb, after a slow start, has really been solid this year. 308 ERA, 328 FIP. Strikeouts are slightly down, but overall still really just churning out quality start after quality start and keeping the ball in the yard. Logan Webb is as reliable of a starter as you're going to find. In our setup role, Brock Burke. We talked about him on the rookie team He's got a one, two, five ERA, ladies and gentlemen, for the Texas Rangers. I mean, what else do you want us to say? The lefty, the six, four lefty is just shoving at 95, 96 miles an hour. He's got a couple other plus breaking ball pitches. He's just been a phenomenal reliever for the Rangers this year. Been one of the best overall relievers in baseball and has probably been the best reliever in the Rangers pen. I mean, a guy like Matt Moore has been great too. I know they have other arms in there, but Brock Burke, if you're talking about all reliable, he's been absolutely all reliable for the Texas Rangers. But how about the closer? I mean, and, and the thing with Burke is, is moving to the bullpen really just his stuff ticked up and he's been lights out. And that was a big, big move for him that really worked. And, David Bednar is our closer. And before you look at the numbers and say he's also on the IL right now, which is all the Pirates' fault because David Bednar was one of the best relievers in baseball through the first several months of the season, and they just ran that man into the ground. And now all of a sudden he's on the, the IL with a back issue. He's already throwing and working his way back. But when he was healthy and when he was not being overused, he was dynamite, multi-inning saves, just churning out Good appearance after good appearance after good appearance. Tons of strikeouts and just honestly throws a lot of strikes for a closer as well. Only 14 walks in 46 and two-thirds innings. This guy is really, really freaking good when he's right and not being overworked. The mailbag. <laughs> that was so much fun. That'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. We can't wait. We have an inter for you interview for you on Friday. That is one of the biggest that we've ever had on the Just Baseball Show. And Thursday, it'll be Jack and I most likely, or it might be Arm. We're going to figure it out what we're going to talk about on Thursday, but Friday is going to be a great interview. And then, of course, we'll be back next week. But if you want to hear more about Jordan Walker, about Andrew Painter, about all these different prospects, go check out the call-up. That's Arm's podcast, breaking down all of these different prospects in more detail. Also, I cannot wait for the top 100 update. And then also, if you're more into the gambling space, you're more into that kind of stuff. My podcast, Not Gambling Advice, it's every day, five days a week, going over my MLB best bets. And you can only find my props on that podcast. And if you want to play those props, play them on prize picks. Use code Just Baseball. You get a full deposit match. That's a ton of fun. And then we have also the State of the Division podcast. You all know the drill. F five, six days a week, 15 minutes on your favorite division. You can listen to those. Also, go subscribe to YouTube if you're listening. Give us a like. Give us a comment. And the best way to support us 
Go get yourself some merch. And if you could give us a five-star review, if you enjoyed this episode on audio or hit that subscribe button on YouTube, helps us out, give you guys more content, and it's all for free. Anything else, Warren, before we say goodbye? Uh, Just dropped the top prospects in the Cincinnati Reds organization. That's live on justbaseball.com. What a freaking system that's turned into. Go check out our top 15 prospects there. And also just kind of everything you need to know on that system. And the future's bright in Cincinnati. And with that, thank you. Everybody.